How you we guys just, doing? I'm just shipping, you know me. Just catching, yeah. yeah, just hanging out, getting a little energy. He's taking you know, those Gotta monster. plug it, bro, monster all day. Listen, I did the math. I've been on the team for 20 years, and I'm not saying this is for everybody. I'm not saying, uh, you know, this is just me. What works for me. So let's get that clear. <laughs> I, I drink about four a day average for the last 20 years. I did the math. It's about 29,000 monster. <laughs> yeah, dude. That's I, like I, a... I'm not lying. Some days I drink six. I'm just like, I'm fine. You know what I mean? Like, bro, that's so. like a swimming pool full of monster, man. That's awesome. It's half, almost half a million ounces, bro. You know what I mean? That man, you are getting, uh, that's way too, Isaac, do the math, get the calculator. Bro, I don't know anything <laughs> about math. No, dude. No. I, <laughs> listen, I know 80s I'm math. To, listen, I'm, I know we haven't even started the interview. I just want to say people ask all the time when you ride for a brand, they say, do you, do you wear the brand? Do you like the brand? Do you use the brand? People go, do you drink Monster? I wouldn't ride for them if I didn't like it. You know what I mean? I've always been that guy. Like, I got to be down with the brand in order to rep them. So anyways. I agree. But that, anyway, listen, that's what works for me. Say what you want. I don't really care. But that's what works for me, and I love it. Yeah, it's like a job, dude. Your thing, man. Hell yeah. Yeah, it's like a job. If, you, if you're not feel like, I wouldn't, you know, if I don't, if I don't believe in something, like why go and work there? You know what I mean? Like I'm going to spend time with there. You know, I'm going to spend energy. It's not worth it, man. You know what I mean? Do what you love. Life's too short. That's, I wish I would. It is. I wish I would have had that attitude when I went when I worked at the Olive Garden. God. <laughs> you worked at Olive Garden seven years, bro. Busting dude, tables. dude. That's okay, the was thing. that people, how many people see people see you now? Like, oh, you got, oh, they see the now and they don't realize it. Like, they didn't see you when you're riding the bike to work, not making money, uh, cleaning tables. Uh, right when you're done cleaning tables, you ride your bike to go meet Dennis and everybody downtown to go ride and hang out. You know what I mean? Like, they didn't, they don't, people, it's almost like music. Like, who's this band? Who's this band with this hit? Who are these guys? Where did they come from? It's like, uh, they've been grinding like nine years or something and they finally right. hit, you yeah. know? You just see the now. You don't right. see the grind. Yeah. You, know? you didn't see that buildup, dude. Did you do? Did you do the math on the breadsticks over seven years? It's probably more than the monster, <laughs> dude. Seriously, I have a, I have a problem. Okay, I have a problem with with Olive Garden breadsticks, and I'm just thinking, like, dude. And if you served in the Midwest versus serving in like L.A., dude, I can't imagine. Because you know what, like, people in the Midwest, bro, like they're super chill. But they're low. They're they're like low key, like backhanded compliment. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you did a really you did a really great job for a slow person. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like they'll burn you, and you're just like, hmm. I feel Dude, like that's that so burn. true. I didn't pick up on that because I was stationed back in Missouri, and it was almost like, man, they're really friendly, but it kind of feels a little different. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. I'm gonna comment on this. Where were you in Missouri? Fort Leonard Wood. I uh, I know this. Um, yeah. Yeah, we used to have this dude that rode back in the day. He'd be like, dude, sick one footer. Who's a little higher? You're like, he's this fucking guy. And right. I remember me and Dennis, because I grew up, I grew up riding with Dennis McCoy. I met him when I was 12. Yeah. Uh, little right, right, right when I was turning 13, I walked out of the mall. I'll tell the story real quick. I walked out of the mall, the arcade with my sister, and I just moved to the neighborhood. I'd built a quarter pipe in my backyard. I didn't know anyone that rode in the neighborhood. 
And I see this dude like doing these grasshoppers, which I didn't know they were grasshoppers at the time, but you know, anyone out there, grasshoppers, like, you know, front wheel back, front wheel back, front wheel back. Yep. Yep. And they had all these dudes around them and they had a ghetto blaster and they were passing the hat around for money. Like break dancers used to. And like, who are these dudes, you know? So anyways, that's, that's how, that's how I first met Dennis McCoy. And, uh, you know, the rest is history, but yeah, we used to have dudes. I never thought of that until you said that, like put me up to put me down kind of thing. I wouldn't say everybody, listen, I wouldn't say everybody for the Midwest is that way, but I'm sure some people are, you know, we, 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 we never were that way. We kind of looked at it like this dude's a kook that's riding with us. Like he just gave us a compliment and insulted me in the same time. <laughs> you know yeah, like, how, how do I take that dude? Is that like, dude. do I say thank you or fuck off well dude. it's the same dude that used to say he had the best one-handers and we're like dude come on beat it what are you talking about <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean like i could see if you were to say best switch hander it's a little something different but like that's one hander like what do you point your finger more well i don't get it <laughs> right right dude that's hilarious man um but you know, every, every BMX crew has that one dude, you know what I mean? Everybody, yeah. every crew, every, every group I've ever rode with NorCal Phoenix, all of it, dude. Cause I'm from, I'm from NorCal, Craig's from NorCal. And um, dude, there, there's always that one dude that's just like a little, a little bit off. You know what I mean? You're like, yeah, you know, and you're just like, man, I, and then a new person shows up and you're like, man, you're, it's almost like you're apologizing for the, the, like your weird friend. You know what I mean? You're like, oh dude. Dude. You've been around long enough. You get it. Like you just said, when a new person shows up, that's how riding was, dude. Yeah. Like, like, well, I don't know if it's because it was obviously newer or less people did it. Or if you saw someone ride, it was like finding like, you know, like there's another freakazoid, you know, like what's up. And, and like so back then it'd be like, where are you from, dude? I made some like the best friends in my life. Just like we were out riding downtown. And this, this dude was riding leathers, like old race pants. And then like a t-shirt and like, riding doing willies in the street i'm like what's this guy doing and uh became one of the best one of my best or one of the crew's best bros just by running to him on the street now i'm not not being the old prude guy but it just seems like nowadays you know some, sometimes i'm riding down in hollywood and and very rarely like people will pass me and another biker and i'll be like hey what's up you know and they're just like they ride by looking at your bike and keep riding it's weird it's just it was, it was, it was just much more like, I don't know. I, I don't want to, I don't want to sound like negative in any way, but I, I don't think it's like negative. I, I think it's just like, it's real. That's true. Because it was like a different vibe. Like Isaac was saying, and like, you're saying like, when I was a kid, if we got a, you know, bumped into someone new or a new guy came and ha hung out, it was almost like, yeah, you seem pretty cool, but you still got to pay them dues, bro. And it was, yeah. you know, it, yeah. and once you got past that, it was like, bro, this dude's yep. cool. And, and the vibe nowadays is kind of like you're saying too. It's like mean, you know, you kind of get that mean mug feeling like, dude, why am I getting the stink eye? You know, we're already bros. We're already friends because we're riding, but fuck, man, yeah. you guys are, yeah. you're stink eyeing me. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just a different vibe. I mean, I don't know if that's because of, you know, the level of competition is different. Opportunities are different. We didn't have any opportunities back then. No one, no one really was setting goals outside of like the immediate, like let's all of us jump this gap and have fun, you know? Now I think it's, it's just different agendas and, and maybe politics and different things that come into the sport when it comes to opportunity and making money and stuff like that, that maybe it creates that division amongst, but I mean, most of the time I, I find a way to really get to people and say hi to people. And I just kind of feel that, you know, I got, I got to remember this though, at the same time, and I, I want to say this with all arrogance aside, 
I forget that sometimes people might look at me as like the dude that's been on TV, the guy that's been in the X Games, guys done all this stuff. I forget. I swear, I don't. It's not like I wake up in the morning and I'm brushing my teeth, going, "Yeah, I was on Cribs." Hey. You don't. You know what I mean? You forget. So I think people might even look at me differently. And sometimes I might. This is on me. I might think they're vibing with me. Well, in reality, they might just not know what to say because they're kind of yeah. weird. You know what I mean? Not like not like Star Trek, but just kind of like weird. Like that's the dude. And like, so I got to remember that that I and I forget that because I don't really trip on the things that that like you've done in your career. I'm mean, I'm proud of it, but I, I forget because you're just always trying to move forward. You know, does that make sense? Yeah, and it's and it's kind of like man, it's like you know that was a good example because. It, it seems like there's so all those things stack up like layers on an onion. But when you get down to the core of like, say you, what I would think is like, that's still the sole rider, the guy who just wants to ride his bike, the guy who's just stoked to get out there, the guy who's a dad likes being with his family. Yeah. And, and everyone sees, they don't see that core. They just see what's on the outside stacking up. You know, it's still the same Rick Thorne in the middle that was 12 years old out of Missouri going, you know, bikes are hella cool. Yeah, you know? yeah totally. Yeah. Yeah, man. And, but, it, but it, it's, it's, it's definitely, uh, the sports definitely, I mean, you know, shift gears with it. I don't know. I'm just kind of running with this, but friggin' the level riding sick. Like I've been seeing more dudes show up at the park, uh, different, different groups, different crews of people. Everyone seems cool. Everyone wants to ride. I, you know, uh, I, I think, I think like right now, everybody's kind of really supporting each other, but you know, then again, I'm not, I'm not 15 right now in the, in the industry, you know, yeah. uh, I don't know what, you know, sometimes I wonder like, where are all these riders at? Cause I'll go to the park, you know, and I'll be like, there's nobody here. You know what I mean? And then every now and then you'll see, like I said, you'll see like a different crew of dudes roll up a couple guys. You're like, Oh, I remember you guys, you guys are from see me or whatever. What up? And, but then I'm like thinking, there just seems like there should be a lot more bike. I guess they're out riding street or something. You know what well, I mean? Yeah. Do you think yeah. there's like you, you know like back in the day there was like crews like you were saying and I'm sure yeah. there is nowadays, but yeah. it seems like people you know like the skate park I ride at it seems like yeah there's regulars but people just show up like th there's not like a crew that shows up. I'm not talking about like a bike gang or nothing, but it was just almost like we were we had I had my own crew. Guys would show up, you know, it was like oh so and so's here, so and so's here, and it's like all right everyone's here. Do you, you think know what like it is, that? Craig? You know what it is. What? Here's what I think it is, dude. Okay. And, and Rick, you tell me, I'm curious what you think. Okay. When we were kids, we had to work for it. All right. Cause what Rick, what you said really made me think because I remember meeting my best friend Lee and I saw this dude from like a half a mile away. And I'm like, I think that, I think that's a freestyle bike. And so I remember, dude, I took off on my Haro dude. Just, I mean, I was so winded. It probably took me 15 minutes to catch up to him. And I did exactly what Rick said, man. He got third degree, like, Bro, you got you got a dyno. Where are you from? Where do you live? Are you, do you live here? Or are you staying with your grandma? Because I've never seen you before. Because I knew everybody in town. Because it's not like it's a huge town, right? And you're like, are you visiting your grandma or what's going on here? You know. And then, what's your best trick? You freestyle. What's your best trick? You know. And then they show you your trick. And then you're like instant best friends. Now, yeah. Here, here nowadays, there's so much social media, and kids are so socialized yeah. on video games. And yeah. they, dude, my kids right now are downstairs trolling and bagging on kids that they are, they're best friends. They're just like, try harder. You know what I mean? And they, they just cut and burn each other all day. And I wonder if, I wonder like if that, if social media and online, like the, the lack of, 
I, I, they don't have to work for, they don't have to work to meet somebody. They just log into a game and there's magically like, you know, 14 other seven year old or seven, seventh graders ready to play. Well, I, I mean, I, I, I definitely, I mean, I agree with you. I mean, obviously video games and I mean, just having a cell phone alone is a distraction because there's so much you can do on just your phone. I mean, I seem to work more on my phone than I do my desktop, you know? Um, but like, it's just, it's just, I think it's just also a sign of the times, you know, a lot of things have changed. I think being a parent, excuse me, but well, let me back up to say where the crew's at for bike riders. They're probably out there. We're just older. I think that's it. My schedule's different. You know, we don't like (laughs) the the dudes I ride with, like some of my really close homies. I even have sometimes a conflict of scheduling with them because they don't have kids. Now I'm 51 and I'm still shredding. Not many 51 year olds shred. So even when you hang out with like 25 year olds or 30 year olds, you're still kind of like on a different place mentally because I've been, you know, I've been married, I've been divorced, I've had kids, I've had a house, I've lost a house, I've done all these things that they might not have done yet. So it's different. There's a different kind. What we have in, in uh, I guess what we have in common is riding, but when it comes to scheduling, it's like I can't go because I couldn't ride today because my son had football practice, but I need to inspire him and what he loves to do. So we got to go. I'm going to be there. I'm always that way with my kids. I think that the scene's still there. I think dudes are still riding. They probably ride street. And like I said, they're younger. They don't have the responsibilities that an adult has, uh, especially an adult at my age. So a lot of times I end up riding by myself, which I don't particularly like, but it seems like each time I go to the park, I either hang out with a new skater dude or an old skater dude or a new biker, or I haven't seen these bike guys in a while. And I'm just kind of like the floating bandit, you know, like just <laughs> cause I mean, my crew was Dennis and Matt, you know what I'm saying? And Mira and like, you know, these were, these were our crews, even though we toured, we were with each other so much and you know, uh, you, you just get older, you know, and you, yeah. you, get, you know, you got like, Oh, I got to clean the bathroom today. Fuck. And then like, Oh, yeah. we're going to the park. Oh, I got to clean this toilet. <laughs> Dude, no <laughs> kidding. Right. I got to clean up after my kids. So, th- okay. So this, this, this takes me into something that I'm absolutely fascinated about. Um, because this is one of the things that makes you so relatable to me. Um, I'm a dad. I watch. Awesome. You know, and, and and I relate to everything you're talking about, man. I'm like, I can't, I, I want to go ride, but you know what? I had to do like parent teacher Zoom conferences today because it's COVID. If you watch this in the future, right now we're recording this during the quarantine. And so, you know, we did parent teacher. I have to be, you know, I'm a dad first, no matter what, no matter hey, they're going to find us after the nuclear blast, they're going to find us <laughs> and be like, there was civilization. Dude, no kidding. We're all zombies at that point, but, uh, Dude, so what 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 blows my mind is dude, you you have your hand in so many different buckets, bro. Like we were talking, okay, so you guys behind the scenes, like we 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 had a group chat going, and you think that someone my age that's like that looks like me and has been PMXing since you know a kid would want to the first time you meet you you meet Rick, you're gonna want to talk BMX. I ended up talking to him about cooking, and like I was more stoked to talk to you about cooking because my son is so yeah. obsessed with cooking. He's 13. Awesome. Craig will vouch for this, dude. For Christmas, all he wanted, I wanted to give him a new bike. He wanted an air fryer, one of those Ninja Foodies, so he could cook dinner for Sick. him and his brother only. He will only cook for him and his brother. He's a twin. And so, uh, dude, how? Like, tell me about... Start, that's a good angle. They should start like a little YouTube show to inspire these other kids to do stuff. 
you know, listen, man, I, I love the fact that he cooks. I love the fact that you want to talk about this. I've been cooking. I've been a single dad now for about eight years, maybe going on nine. And me and their mom's cool. Um, but for a long time, I, I, I you know, I've, well, from the beginning, I've stayed single. And I chose that. I don't have any, any family in California. And uh, I don't have a girlfriend or a wife or anything. So, or a roommate of any kind. So I had to learn how to cook. And I chose to be single. And I like that. And I'll tell you why. It's because I do a lot of different things. And when I don't have my kids, when they're with their mother, I don't want the response. I'd rather not have the responsibility of a relationship because I'm going to go drain a pool and ride a pool or write a song with my band or, or try out for this movie or, or create this or just have my, or just take a break, you know, because raising two kids isn't easy. So I just learned how to cook because, well, actually I didn't really learn how to really, really cook until, until the, the, even though I knew how to cook, I should back up. Once COVID started, I realized that like I only cooked, the same stuff, but I would rotate it like, Oh, it's yeah. night tacos and then Turkey chili. And then, and then, uh, I'll make an egg sandwich. You're preaching then, to the choir. <laughs> totally dude. I had five then, things. <laughs> yeah. So then you, so then when you say, okay, son, let's do a cooking show for fun. You know, like, I mean, let's, let's fucking, let's do this. And so then you're like, you know what? Being the bike rider that I am, cause I've learned everything through riding. I, I want to challenge it. I'm like, well, wait, instead of getting this tomato sauce out of a can, let's make our own. I've never made my own tomato sauce. I know you haven't. Cause I said that to my son, like, I know you have it. So we do it. And then we're like, we're both learning as we, and now when my, my son, he's 12, when he's with his mom, he'll send me photos of the shit he makes, you know, like, oh, that's, dope. that's sick. Um, and then you start to fall in love with cooking because it seems like a lot of it is about the sauce. A lot of it's about like, okay, like like you could have a hamburger or let's say pasta. You could have pasta, pasta noodles. They're going to, you know, they'd be generally pretty much taste the same, you know, give or take though. They could taste different, but really what sets it off is the sauce. So then you start to realize that like, oh, just like a good burger. You know what I mean? There was Mondo <laughs> burger. It was about yeah. the sauce. And then you start thinking, oh, Chick-fil-A, it's about their sauce. You know, Cane's chicken, it's about their sauce. And then you start to realize, like, you start to experiment. And what I'm getting at is that it's like learning a one-hander. And then you learn a one-footer. And then you're like, wait, what if I put those two together? That yep. mixture. And so that's kind of what I relate cooking to with writing is because you're creating your own dish, your own style, your own taste, your own flavor. Just like what bike riding was for me, you know? 100%. You know? You guys, yeah, this exactly, is man. This is a this is Rick's this is Rick's That's Instagram it. cooking with the thorns. You guys, you need to go here uh, and and look at some of the stuff. It's like the thorn burger is the jam, dude. That's the jam. Everybody loves that. That's gonna be my hit right here, dude. I'm yeah. I'm waiting to make that thorn burger so I can add the Don Wapo Rick Thorn hot sauce that I just got it's... in the mail, dude. Oh, you ordered it, some, dude? You're the bomb, yeah, dude. dude. Dude, I ordered that and I ordered one of the uh, the warrior sauce as well because that goes to Wounded Warriors, but uh, some yep. proceeds go to Wounded Warriors. But I was like, dude, I even hit you up and I was like, bro, I got the hot sauce. Then I went on cooking with the thorns and I'm like, I got to make that thorn burger with the Wapo sauce dripped on top. Dude, that's going to be so killer. Dude, it's good. I mean, listen, my mom, I'll tell you how that all started. My mom, my biological father he used to work in a place called Mobateria and it was like a mobile roach coach, but they weren't like designer roach coaches back in the day. They were like the side flipped up and they just yep. served like, you know, pre-made sandwiches and 
you know, sodas and stuff, nothing, no, really no hot food. What my mom used to do is she would make cheeseburgers and they would sell them on the side. So he'd go out there with like, you know, so many cheeseburgers in his, in his mobile tier and he would sell them out. So they had like a little side hustle. So I learned how to cook those cheeseburgers from her. <laughs> now I'm going to I'm going to take, I'm going to be like in and out and be like, mom, I just bought you a house. You know what I mean? And you know, like, let's go. So that's dope, dude. You know, like Isaac, Isaac was saying, he's like, man, Rick has, and we were talking about this earlier, um, Isaac and I offline. And I was like, dude, Rick has, I mean, from like the late, cause people forget, man, you didn't just like, you were talking about, you know, when guys do something, but, or a band does something, they come out with a hit song that you don't see that 10 years of grinding it took to get on the radio, to get that one hit. Like people need no. to realize too, you were, you were riding in the late eighties, dude. I mean, people think you might be a nine, you know, predominantly nineties or two thousands rider, but it's like, nah, Rick cut his teeth out of the eighties. And well, you know, the reason why, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, I cut you off. I'm no, not, go not. ahead, Rick. No, no, I'm ahead. just saying, like, I started riding quarter pipes in '81, and I met Dennis in the, in the summer of '83, going into ninth grade because I graduated '87, he graduated '85. Um, and I'd already been riding, and so we lived the whole '80s. I competed in my first contest in '85. Um, a lot of people don't know this, but, uh, but I, I rode like 14 years right around there before I actually made a set income, like a check to say like, Hey, here's some money. And it was from Airwalk, dude. And I think it was in, let me see here. If you go 81 to 91, it was around 95, right around there. They wow. paid me, I think it was 300 bucks a month. And that paid my rent when I lived in St. Louis. And I was like, what? So, I mean, like you gotta, you gotta take in consideration or understanding that like, you ride 14 years. Yeah, I would go do shows with Matt. Yeah, we would do the Sprocket Jockey shows. But that wasn't enough to pay for me, like, all my food. I still had to have a job. So the only way you made money was through the shows. And so, and it wasn't a lot, dude. It was, it was a, lot of, a lot of fun, but it wasn't a lot of money. And, and so I think a lot of people don't know that. That Like I said, of course, they're going to say the 2000s because that's when – all this was booming, but you know, when it hit it to two thousands in the early two thousands or whatever, you know, X games, the first X games was 95, but it really didn't start to build momentum until like late nineties, early two thousand, you know, I'd been riding a really long time up to that point. It wasn't like it was, it was, I mean, yeah, almost, 20, almost, almost 20 years in the year to the year 2000. So, you know, of course, people aren't going to know because, they, like I said, and I'm guilty of it too at times, we only see what's in front of us. You know, how yeah. often do you see something and go, I want to research that? You just kind of right. go, like, you know, cool or whatever. Yeah, um, that's kind of like what I was getting at is like, man, you've been around. I mean, it's 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 kind of like the band ideology you had, you know, like you've been around, you grinded, riding all those years. You know, uh, we've seen you in X Games. We've seen you in movies. We've seen you on, you know, other TV shows, podcasts, MTV, all these things. But people, you know, that's what I wanted to get at, dude. Like you've been riding, you've been doing so many things for so long. And when you were talking about your schedule, I was like, how? And Isaac brought it up too. It was like, dude, how does one do that? How do you, how do you even find time to get out? And, and, you know, when the kids go with their mom and you're like, bro, I got, I got my day to do whatever with. Like how much of that is like, okay, I got to show up for the sponsors. 
uh, meet and greet. I got to do all this. Like, do you ever just get time to throw on your jacket hat and get your bike and be like, I'm just going to hit the bull. I'm going to do some soul riding. Like, yeah. how oh, is that? Absolutely. I mean, listen, I'll say the first, I mean, the number one reason or the number one, yeah, I guess you could say reason why I'm able to do, to be diversified would be that I've been riding for so long that riding becomes like kind of, um, like, you know, you become like a Jedi, dude. You know what I mean? Like you, you, it's your deal. Like, like I'm relearning a bunch of stuff down at Tony Hawk Tramp right now that I haven't done on vert for a while because I got into pools, but like for a while. And so when you get into pools for a while, when you, when you're like a dude like me that would do a lot of tricks and stuff on vert, you know, you start to lose your tricks. You start to like miss that. So you got to go back and relearn them or start doing them again consistently. And, but honestly, like, I think the number one reason is I'm not in a relationship. Yeah. My relationship has been with myself and with my kids. And, and I stayed single because at the time, uh, there was a lot going on in my life and I'd been married, you know, for the third time divorced for the third time. I was like, okay, it's time for me to figure out me. And when yeah. I started to figure out more about me, I started to like myself more and I was okay to be alone. Not that I want to be, not that I'm a loner or, I, or down or I don't want to be around people. That's not what I'm saying. But my responsibility was to take care of my kids. So by not being in a relationship, I don't have a commitment or any obligation to anyone else. So it's my time and my time then is like, okay, this much goes into music. Right now I'm actually re recording an audio book of injuries that's happened to me that I wanted to do a book, but I want to do an audio book and tell the stories of these injuries. So you take time for that or, or then you go, go riding or you, you shoot photos, you just balance it out, you know, like, like, and like I said, it's just because Dude. I don't care of anyone but me and my kids. And I don't have any other, like, like I said, man, like, it's not like, Oh, I just have my kids for five days and I got the day off. Oh no, I don't. I got to go hang out with my girl and go on a hike. I don't want to go on a hike. You know what I mean? I'm not going. I'm not going. I, I just don't care. Like, I know it sounds lame, but like, how much more do I got left to ride? Dude. And I'm going to ride this bitch out. And when I say bitch, I mean riding, not the girl. But I'm saying I'm going to ride this out. And I'm like, yo, like, like that pool I want to ride is two hours away and we got to clean it. I don't want to hear someone nagging me about like, let's go to Runyon Canyon. I don't want to go to Runyon Canyon. It's boring. I want to ride, man. I don't yeah. care about that. Dude, That's how fun. crazy is it? I want to I want to talk about this. I want to talk about this cuz if you're doing an uh, no, that and I let's mean, go I let's know. go back just a bit. If you're doing Bro, if you're doing an audiobook on your injuries, yeah. Damn, dude. I mean, that's that's pretty freaking impressive, man, because I'm thinking like cuz the last thing I saw from you um seven broken ribs, 3 liters of blood out of you. I think you were at the were you at the Vans combi or or where were no, you? No, no, what happened? Cuz I'm I, like I felt warp tour, the last warp tour in San Jose, and I woke up like on the flat bottom. Actually, not in the flat bottom, in the, in the medical tent. Like, what the fuck has happened? And uh, it was, it was, it was, it was a complete fluke, man. Um, and uh, well, I could, if you got a second, I could tell you why I think this happened. Is okay. I fell, and then I was like, yo, like, and this would be in my book, but I'll make it real brief so I don't give it all away. Is yeah, you know, I fell and I didn't think anything was wrong. And I went like a day and I thought I just broke a rib because I broke them before. I'm like, it ain't going to happen. You know, like whatever. And uh, turns out I had seven broken ribs. T2 vertebrae uh, was fractured in my clavicle and my blood in my lung. And uh, I did some research. And at the time I was vaping. Um, you know, I've never been, I've never drank that much. I've never done drugs. 
but you know, I did have an issue with smoking and then vaping, which I no longer do either, but I, I came to the conclusion that I think a lot of that happened to be from vaping. Um, I can't put it on that, but you know, I don't know if it's bullshit or what, but you know, weakens blood vessels and arteries and stuff. And what had happened in my lung is my artery, in my lung was bleeding out. And, uh, I didn't know that. So I had half of my body, the blood in my body was in this uh, right lung. And, uh, I was just still charging it. Cause I was like, ah, I just broke a rib, you know? So yeah, that was good. Yeah, dude. I saw, I saw like, I saw, I was like watching your, I've been following you for a while, but, um, watching your stories and i'm like oh shit this is way more serious because like i think in one of your story posts you were like bro i wasn't even going to go to the hospital van doran or somebody was like you should mm-hmm. go yeah I, I and i don't want to give away the whole story either but it was like it almost That's didn't happen where you end up in the hospital dude and and then i saw matt hoffman's post like yo we need to help uh rick this is serious i'm like dude this is like rick's way more high-spirited and like I got this, you know, you were like, bro, I'm going to get out of here and I'm going to, you know, this ain't nothing. And I was like, Oh shit, man, this could be a little bit more than, you know, just a quick bandaid and a, and a, you know, gown out of the hospital. But that's how you got to treat it, bro. Like for me, for me, and when I speak for me, I, yeah. I, I say that a lot because, you know, people tell people what to do. I'm just saying what works for me is I'll walk it off. And I always been that way. And I, I just kind of looked at it like, okay, this happened. I can't chew on an injury or chew on like what happened. It's kind of like, the, it's kind of like anything really. Like that's what I learned a lot. Even more so like not so much just with injuries, but like life. Like if you keep telling the same story, you're going to get the same result. Not a genius. No, exactly. Cause you keep, because you keep bringing it up and you keep bringing it to life and you keep telling your subconscious mind, Oh, this happened. And and she did this or he did that. And it just, and I got tired of that shit. And I was like, I need to look at myself, man. Like, like this is an opportunity for me to like grow spiritually for myself and like quit making the same decisions or bad choices that I feel like I'm making. And I was like, you know what? I need to do this. And so, you know, when you keep telling the same story, you're going to get the same result, whether it's good or bad, you get what you think of most of the time, almost all the time, whether it's good or bad, it's almost yep. like, People say, what are you doing? I'm tired. You're going to be more tired. Well, I'm broke. You're going to be yeah, more Because you're saying it. Yeah. Because you're saying it. You're one of the things you do, re- you know? Yeah. Yeah. One, one of the things you do really good, Rick, and I get stoked on it, bro. Like, like when you do your stories and you're just like driving in your car and you're like, hey, like, I think <laughs> it was the one today or yesterday. I can't remember. You're like, don't let nobody, you know, today. tell you that you can't do something. Don't live up to anybody's expectations. Set your own and go for it. But all, you know, that's an example. But like when you do that, dude, and I listen, bro, I like follow each one because you're being like so organic, so true. I mean, there's no like fakeness in it. And it's like people should listen to things like that. You know, it's like there's there's a message and it's not coming from a Hallmark card. This is like a guy like, hey, bro, this is what's working try this out. Don't let anybody get in your way and live your life and get your own stoke and go for it. You know, be happy, yep. make your life you or what you want to do, man. I think that's super cool. You do a great job. Thanks, man. Thanks. Well, my mom taught me that way and it took me a long time. I mean, not really a long time, but things have happened to me even in my BMX career uh, where I was like, you know, I, I had to keep listening to myself regardless of what anybody says. And, and, you know, you go, you know, there's a, 
just like old stories is like, you know, uh, back in the day, you know, what I used to fight for, I kind of said at one point in time in my life, I was fighting against. And, you know, I just learned to like, if you're, if you know what you want to do, which is a plus, because not a lot of people might know exactly what they want to do, but if there's something you like to do, excuse me, that's positive, that's good for you, that doesn't hurt anybody else. Why stop doing it? Cause someone else like tells you that you can't be that. Like, like, like I used to hear, like, you know, when I graduated high school, I wanted to be a pro bike rider, but there's no industry. People are like, what? And I was like, I just love the way this shit feels. Like, I just want to try to get a photo in a magazine. That's all I really care about, just to prove to myself that I could set that goal. And, you know, like, just too many people try to, I think, maybe at times in my life, have tried to discourage me to be who I am based off of, like, their own doubt and and fear, and they project it, you know, like try to project it onto me and I would be like, dude, I'm, I'm good. Like, yeah. I mean, I, uh, you know, if it didn't work for you, then you figure out for you. I'm, tr- I'm trying to figure this out for me for what I need to do. And so, yeah, man, thanks a lot for saying that though, because I, I really try to always send a positive message the best way I can. You know? I love that dude. I love that. And I love, I love that. Like you, you learn that from your mom and it's, it's the second time you brought your mom up in this interview and Craig and I were yeah. both raised by single moms. And so we grew up with strong women in our lives um, that were just go, go at it by any means necessary, get stuff done. And, and it was a great role model and positive thing in my life. And so hearing your mom, like hustling the, the cheeseburgers, you know, and oh, yeah. then th- that she caused that positivity. I love it. And one of the things that I absolutely, I don't know if the word adore is the right word, but one of the things I appreciate, I think, um, about you is your ability to tell a compelling story and, and, the example I'm going to bring up is from one of my favorite shows. Uh, and, and it's called, you guys look this up. You can find it on YouTube. It's called pool seekers. And, oh, yeah. and yeah. dude, I love pool seekers, dude, dude. Okay. okay you guys, gonna... I'm going to, I'm going to ruin a little bit of this mystique for you because you think, okay. So the way it's pitched <laughs> is, uh, you know, basically Rick and some homies drive around and, and uh, basically just shred pools concept cool right but then you get sucked in right away and here's what happened to me i saw ron wilkerson i was like all right man i'll check that out i want to see i want to see uh ron ride some pools you guys how'd i miss that dude i got so much (laughs) i got so much info and and just hearing ron and okay so there's a couple things ron and his kids hanging out ron's restaurant and then nope. just hearing him talk about what it was like in the in the the eighties, and dude Rick, just hearing you sit there and talk to him the exact same way as a fan that I would talk to I would talk to Ron Wilkerson was absolutely fascinating. And then the cinematography, you guys, is top notch. Like there's and, yeah, and my buddy killed it, killed dude, it, dude. The, there's like drone footage and like I mean, you are sucked in right away. But it's 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 one of those things that's filmed and edited in a way that nothing is distracting. You are in the moment with Rick on these pools. Tell me about how how did you come up with that idea and how did you pitch it and did it turn out did did it turn out the way that you expected it to turn out or were you just like, man, I've got gold right here because I, I could watch those for days, dude. I love them. Well, thanks, man, for saying that. You know what? I, I started riding. Well, it goes back to when I got divorced. Um, at that time, you know, it was it was uh, I had to let go of that house, 
uh, that I worked for and, and that was hard and I learned a lot through that. And then, so like, you know, I make this as brief as I can or not as brief, but you know, uh, I was married. I worked for this house. I'm not from California. I thought I was doing things the right way. And then boom, it hits like, you know, you gotta get a divorce. You gotta get rid of your house, move back into a 900 square foot apartment after having a house in Beverly Hills for 12 years that you worked your ass off for. You saved your money because you didn't party, because you didn't gamble, because you, you know you worked, you grinded 10 different jobs when you show up somewhere and you saved all of it. And you had this vision and this dream for yourself with these goals that you wanted. And I had to let go of all that. So then I, and when I, when I was going through like trying to, you know, figure myself out more, I started riding pools. Cause I was like, you know what? I need to learn to let go of stuff, material stuff, even a house. Yeah. Even if I hold on to this house, it could weigh me down. Shit, I'm tired of being weighed down by everything. And so, yeah, there it is. So anyways, to make, make it real quick to answer this you know, a lot of the, as I can. Yeah, there's Ron right there. He's the goat. Um, we freaking, you know, I just wanted to ride pools and stuff, bro. And then I was just kind of like, I don't know, man. I just, I had to, I had to realize that like, you know, all this stuff goes away. It's not, not that you can't or shouldn't like work for things. But it's all dust in the wind, bro. I'm seeing these houses that are like, you know, and for the record, anybody listening, it's not like you go into anybody's property they live on. You know what I mean? I ain't, I ain't looking to get shot. <laughs> and I, I even houses that are like, you know, I've never been to houses that are being like redone. I don't mess with anybody's stuff. These are clearly like empty abandoned. lots. Pool, yeah. The house abandoned is abandoned. It's been there. Yeah. It's nothing that like, I don't even care about the house, but you can look at it. You're like, dang, at one point in time, someone thought they had a maid, and they probably did for that moment. But it doesn't last forever. That's why I learned to enjoy the moment now, man. And that's the biggest challenge it's been for me. Is you always want more and more, and then you or you want to build, or you have these dreams, but you got to enjoy it along the way. Otherwise, there's no point in any of it. And so Pool Seekers came up because I just go and I had a GoPro. And the way I reinvented my life again was I was through all that hardship and stuff and finding myself and all this type of stuff is I would go uh, shoot photos on a GoPro. I knew about GoPro. It's like, you know, I'm going to go shoot some photos, get, you know, set goals, daily goals for myself. And uh, I started filming all these parks or these pools. And uh, I did a commercial for Boost Mobile. They called me up and they said, hey, we want to do an ad, a commercial with all some of the older old heads in it to bring Boost back. I was like, freaking cool, man. And one of the dudes up there, I know him for a while, I was like, hey, you've been riding all these pools lately. That's sick. I was like, yeah, because what are you gonna do with the footage? I was like, I don't know. Maybe put it on YouTube or something. I'm just, I'm just filming it to film it. And he's like, let's talk. And then it turned into Pool Seekers. Now the name Pool Seekers kind of came about long before the show was ever like considered. I remember talking to my buddy Andrew, Andrew Lazaric. You know, uh, he kills it. Laser kills it in pools. And I was, I was like, man, he's got these pool crews, man. I see these different you know different skate crews or pool crews like you know i'm from the bmx brigade that was me and dennis and all the homies like we had a little crew you know it was actually pretty big i was like we should just do like a little crew and on my mind i was like just trying to like entertain myself and be like oh, i'm gonna call us the pool seekers but those guys never really called themselves the pool seekers i just did in my head like just thought it was fun you know i was like just being a kid and uh i'm like yeah pool seekers because i'm out there every day by myself Sometimes I drive two hours. The pool isn't even there. You got to drive back <laughs> or you drive there and you're cleaning it. No one would clean it. The dudes just want to ride it. So you're bucketing in it. 
you're like, I'm a pool seeker. And then I turned into the show and then I interviewed Salba for the very first episode. And, uh, he had his guitar with him. He did this little riff. Um, I started singing pool seekers. I'm like, Oh, we should write the song. So then it actually turned into a song. If you Google pool seekers, the song, it's a music video as well. And it's got highlights from all the episodes. Tony Hawk was in an episode. Ron Wilkerson, uh, Chris Livingston, a lot of Tony, Tony's episode. I think Rick was probably one of my favorites because I mean, it was a, it was a cool pool seekers episode. You guys are shredding that pool and everything. But at the very end, when you're like interviewing Tony, there was this last like scene where you, like Tony looks at you, bro, and he gives you this hug. And, you, and like right before that, you're like, man, I've known you for a long time. And it's so good to be with you. And he looked at you and he was like, come here, dude. And, and it's like, that doesn't seem like something Tony would do, obviously, with just anyone. But it was like that moment. And then with what you've been doing with Tony, the, 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 the sessions, the, you know, everything yeah. else and, and everything you guys have done, you guys have known each other so long. It was like, I love that moment in that episode. It was oh, like, thanks, those, those are bros. Yeah. I mean, I met Tony in 92, I think it was 92. And, and it was, uh, Hoffman, I think Matt, Matt had met him before, but, uh, Matt had some shows where, you know, that this is 92 is a right around the time where like all the sports were kind of doing shows together pre X games. Like I remember doing some six flag shows and it was like inline skate, BMX and skate. And they started to actually co really combine the sports and actual demos. You'd heard of stuff in the eighties, like the Swatch tour and stuff like that. But like, this was like, you know, it was new to me. And so I met Tony in 92 and it was actually sprocket jockey shows. And oh yeah, yeah, dude. And so we remained friends, but I'll tell you this much about Tony Hawk. And I'm not just saying this cause he's my friend. He's the coolest, down to earth, generous, like most, I, I could say like most famous, most popular, you know, he's, he's, he's an icon. Okay. At that level. And he's still the most down to earth dude. That's been the same dude that I met in 92. And, and I see him that way, not only with just his friends, with the way he approaches people. He's a very genuine person. Very, very genuine and very giving. And, uh, and, uh, like I said, I'm not just saying that because he's, he's my homie or whatever, but like, he's a, he's a cool ass dude, bro. He's he real seems cool. like, he seems like a great guy, dude. It's here's he's the thing cool. about legends, legends. And I'm including, uh, you know, you guys, this is probably awkward for you, Rick, but I'm including you in this as well, because, um, you know, never Thank in my you. lifetime did, would I, would I have sat here and, and thought Rick Thorne's going to come on our little, you know, BMX podcast. So. Um, oh, but just thank you. Sh shout out to, to the legends out there. And this is me just kind of speaking to you and to people like Tony, just like, thank you so much for being so generous to your fans. And, you know, for, cause like for me, dude, you've always been around Just you, you've just always been around, um, in, in BMX, like, you know, it's like Rick's always there. And, and the cool thing about it, dude, is like, <laughs> um, again, dude, back to being a dad, man, I'm watching, you know, uh, the the was it Paul Bartlett Mall like the this the mall oh, cop mall cop yeah Paul Blart yeah yeah and, and and I'm just like I'm sitting there I'm like we're having a blast watching with my kids because they're they're at that age where they like you know farting in the bathtub is funny you know and and I'm I'm 48 and I I still think farting in the bathtub is funny so like we're all on the same level and uh you know we're sitting here and I'm just like I'm geeking out really hard because I'm like you guys that's Rick Thorne and they're like that's cool dad. 
Like you, you don't understand. <laughs> you don't understand though. Like he really does Michael ride bikes really good. You know, <laughs> I'm like breaking it. He's a really good bicycle rider. You guys, <laughs> so I'm just, your dad's not weird anyway. Uh, but, but dude, um, Markov was, Markov was awesome by the way. And I didn't even know I was riding my bike when I went into that audition. I didn't know until about two or three days before we did the actual table read that they're like, Oh, you're going to be riding your bike. And then that's when I realized that it was like, Mike Vallely, Jason Ellis, uh, Mike Escamilla, Rooftop was in it. I had no idea yeah. those dudes were in it until I got to the table read at Sony. And I was like, whoa. Like, And Kevin James came in, and he was just like super cool, knew everybody's name. It was like total pro. But I went into that audition. like It wasn't like, okay, we know you're a biker. We're going to put you this cameo. I went in there because I went to acting school for three years Uh after I did the movie Triple X, I did a cameo that I wanted to act and I needed to learn how. So I thought, cool, this is another acting role. And they don't want me to be a bike rider at first because you don't want to get pigeonholed into that cameo bike rider thing because you'll never right. work. You won't, you won't, you'll, you'll, you'll do like two or three films and that's it, you know? And so I was like, dude, I want to, you know, I want to learn this. I want to learn how to do this. And that's one thing about me. You can say, how do you do this, 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 this. Well, you got to remember, I've layered a lot through the years and I've learned how to do a lot of things through the years and I've studied them and you still continue to study your work, you know, and, and just, just going for it. And anyhow, when they said, bring your bike, I was like, oh, wow, I'm actually going to be riding this too. I had no idea when I went to the audition, they're like, okay, take over the mall. You're like, everybody, everybody get the fuck down. I'm sorry. I don't know if I can cuss, but everybody get down, you know, like hit the floor. Come on. You know? And then I got a call back and I did it again. And they're like, and then you know that then it was with the producer and director and stuff and so i the whole time i was just thinking like cool i get to play like this crazy dude that takes over the mall <laughs> that has nothing to do with bike riding yep dude dude you're acting like three years acting classes i'm gonna give you props bro in triple f <laughs> in uh white t mulberry park uh, i went and looked at those dude and i was like fuck man rick can act dude i mean dude, dude, I this i just did this new one with eric roberts and andy dick and i play bartender and it was it was an indie, independent film. It was cool. Uh, you know, it was, uh, it was, it was pretty chill. It's, it's not out yet, but I gotta, I gotta say this real quick. We're going to be filming this thing. It's called rum boys. Not, not thing, but it, it's either going to be a movie or a series. And, uh, I'm just gonna, uh, we've talked about it. We were getting ready to film it a week before COVID started last year, last March. And now we're going to have a meeting this weekend and we're going to start to film this project. And hopefully it, I would hope that it turns into a series rather than a, a movie, but either way, I'm stoked to be part of it. It's it's going to be pretty rad. Um, I'm pretty stoked. So thanks for saying that because about acting because it's totally different than like if if I play myself like a bike rider, then you like it's easy, you know. But but even even just the language and the the just everything about movies is not everything, but a lot of things are different than TV, which is different than radio which is different than writing, which is different than music, but somehow they're all kind of weirdly connected together in my mind. And that's why I'm able to do all this stuff. Cause I just kind of, I have a passion for all that stuff. You know, it shows too, because like the difference between your characters in Mulberry park and white tea, it was like, you weren't playing some pigeonholed role every, you know, even in, in triple X with Vin Diesel, it's like every character I've seen you play where you were acting, where you had a speaking role and you were, you know, part of that. You you switch it up so good, dude, and it's so believable. Thanks, man. I mean, yeah, it's, those those three years definitely was worth it, bro. <laughs> well, yeah, dude, dude. The way the way that I got in 
with Triple X is I had a TV show for ESPN back in the day called X Today. And Vin Diesel came to the Philadelphia X Games because he was going to film Triple X. And um, they prepped me. They go, you're going to interview Vin Diesel. I was like, cool. And he's coming out because he wants to study like action sports culture because they have this new movie coming out. And they didn't know how good it was going to do. But, you know, Vin Diesel seems to do good in all of his films. Seems to be pretty successful in everything that he does. And so it was cool. I interviewed him. And then after the interview, he goes, you know what? I want you to be in the movie. Yeah. I was like, what? I was like wait, what? He goes, I like your style. We're going to write a part for you in the movie. And I was like, shit, let's go. <laughs> that's <laughs> rad, dude. Yeah. And yeah. That's how, that's how I got in that freaking movie, man. He was cool as all hell. And I think a lot of my success has been at the right place at the right time. And sometimes it's been at the wrong place at the wrong time. But it's more kind of like white tea is a perfect example. I ride up on sunset all the time. I've been doing that ride for 10, for since 96. I ride 10 miles. I just clear my head, put on my headphones and pedal. One day I pulled up across the street at the Shamrock where I get tattooed. And I part, you know, I got out and I look over at the Roxy and they're filming a movie. So naturally I just kind of roll by there and I look over the window and the, the two main characters recognize me. They're like, Hey, what's up, dude. And I didn't know him. I'm like, what's up? What are you guys doing? Like phone a movie. Met the director right there. He's like, call me. They wrote me apart. Yeah. That's how that happened. What? Yeah. That's how that happened. I'm telling you. And like, like, and in my head, I'm just like thinking, like, what a trip. Like, right place, right time, just going about my day, not not trying to seek it out, not trying to, where are they filming? I gotta get in this movie. None of that shit. It's just been kind of like, it's just the energies kind of came my way. And so then I thought, well. I better learn how to do this shit if I'm given the opportunity, you know? <laughs> right, right. Like, yeah. And then, you know, Caballero, Steve Caballero said something to me a long time ago that really stuck. He's like, you know what, Rick? I just, you know, not word for word, but along this line, he said to me, I agree to things before I actually know how to do them. Something like that. Like, in other words, like he takes the opportunity and figures it out along the way. And, and Cab's been a big inspiration to me. Uh, touring with him for years and learning a lot of different ways to diversify yourself and stuff. So yeah. Dude, that's have you ever played with the faction or, or have you ever, have you ever seen him play? Yeah, I've seen him play. We, we, I saw them, you know, it's crazy stories like last, I want to say not last two years ago, me and McCoy, McCoy was in town and we drove up to NorCal. Uh, I'm going to say San Jose uh, to see faction play with old firm casuals, which is Lars's band. And then, uh, no, no, I take that back. I take that back. Faction opened up for rancid. And that was, where was that at? Cause we were there for two days. They played one night at one club with old firm casuals. And then the next night they opened up for rancid. And I forgot where it was that I think that one was more in San Francisco and the other show was in San Jose. Um, so yeah, yeah. I've seen a play. Um, them opening up for the for for Ransom was amazing. I know I'm rambling and I talk a, a freaking lot, <laughs> but I'll tell you, Lars Fredrickson would sit in front of the kick drum at this one backyard jam the faction had, so the kick drum wouldn't fall over. What? <laughs> back back before <laughs> Lars was like in any of his bands and before he was in Rancid, and. I remember he posted that photo. It was like, yeah, he was a fan of Cab and the Faction. And if I remember correctly, the drums were moving and he sat there so the drums wouldn't fall over. 
That's, that is a that's a that is a bro move right there. That is a Cavs bro move. OG man, I love Cavalero. That dude's yeah. motivating. You know, I love that dude. Um, I don't want to keep you all night, brother. And I will talk to you until one in the morning because, like, this is just one. Of, it's like such a blast to talk to you. But an hour already. I fucking talk too much. I'm sorry, bro. No, dude. No, it's because we don't know how to interview. We just chit chat and yeah, and have conversations. Shit. Like, here's dude. This is how we describe our interviews. Imagine after a session when you're sitting at like, like, you know, like a stop and Rob and you just got a Slurpee and you're just chit chatting with your homies before you go home because like the, the lights are going to come on. Your mom's going to yell. Like, that's what we do. We don't really, we don't know how to interview people. So, um, and, and that's why I ramble all over the place. Cause like, like what I want to know too is, you know, we're, we're the big bike PMX show. We're a bunch of old dudes with way too many injuries and, uh, I've bought way too many 20 inch bikes trying to relive my youth and, and ended up finding like, you know, these big rippers and these, you know, like the 26 Harrow masters, true story. I have Dennis McCoy's bike, dude, that John Bulgens gave me Dennis McCoy's bike that he, that was supposed to go to Dennis. He gave it to me. Cause like I, my first bike was a, a Harrow master and John Bulgens was like, bro, I want you to, I want you to have this bike. It's supposed to go to Dennis, but I'm going to give it to you. What was it? Was it the 87 reissue thing? No, it was it was this year's DMC twenty six inch, um, big bike. Oh, so, so wait, so did Dennis get a, did Dennis get that released? Yeah, oh, so, it's not it's not a signature. It's like it's called it's basically just like the DMC twenty six inch master, and the sample yeah. bike that they used that they were taking all the pictures with was in John Bulgin's office, and I was telling him like, dude, I was looking for a Haro master, I could never find one, and he's like. I want you to have it, dude. And I was like, bro, that's Whoa. so sick. So that's I love sick, it. Dude. Yeah. And I, yeah, I ride drastic. the hell out of it. I, I ride the hell out of it. But um, have, awesome. have you had a chance to like get get like closer or, you know, have what's what's your thought on like the big bikes and stuff like that? Have you I've seen you ride them, obviously, like I've seen you, you know, well, I ride them a little bit like I still, you know what, man, when I go pedal 10 miles a day, I'm on my 20 inch like dude props I, to you. No, like, like, yeah, I'm, I like, I pedaled 20 inch. Like I never did road bike. Uh, yeah, I, I pedaled on the bigger bikes, but not uh, just like uh, around the parking lot, you know I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, um, I don't have anything against it. I mean, whatever, dude, you're out doing your thing. You're out riding You're, you know, uh, you can still do tricks on those bikes. You still bust some tables and stuff. I don't have any, I'm not, I don't frown upon it at all. I think yeah, yeah. that you, you know, they're cool that they, you know, Ripper makes PK Ripper makes a lot of they're like leading that right now. I feel like, yeah, like, yeah, you yeah. know, I, I was actually down in LA and I did that. There's a 4130 subway series ride. Yep, uh, I know it. Yep. Yeah, I went down there. Uh, Volker was there, RL Osborne, Mike Buff, and all these old heads, right? And it was crazy, <laughs> it was crazy to see them all on big bikes, you know, because they're all riding yeah. like 29 inch bikes and all this. And the one guy who rode a 20 inch, Pete Augustine, yeah, Pete, Pete Augustine, yeah. dude. <laughs> Pete, yeah, I love Pete. Um, yeah, I, I don't have anything against it. You know, I, actually, so we're talking about bikes. I have a signature e-bike coming out, which is which is with a company called House of Lithium. And people are like e-bike, like like, and it looks like a BMX bike, but like BMX on steroids. And and these are like whatever. And I got these bikes, and I rode some in the park. And I was doing little airs on them and stuff. And you know what, dude? They're fun. Um, is it replacing my BMX bike? No, it's not. Me and my son go out on these e-bikes. We have a rad time. They're kind of made for people that like, you know, maybe wanted to ride or, or don't ride as much anymore. or have a lot of injuries and they want to zoom around on an e-bike and, you know, still be able to jump a curb or something. It's pretty cool. 
by any means, it doesn't mean that I'm like not going to be uh, riding my BMX bike still, but it's a rad opportunity to get like, you know, uh, people not necessarily, I mean, cause it's, it's, it's also pedal assist. So you can pedal it as well, or you could, or you could give a gas. And to me, it, they're fun, dude. They're a lot, they're yeah. a lot of fun. Um, so I'm not going to sit here and say like, Oh, big bikes or whatever, or road bikes or this or mountain bikes or that, like do what you think, what makes you happy. You know, um, I don't frown upon any of it. Um, my bike, that e-bike is going to be out a little later this year and it's a cool opportunity. And I think it's cool that it's a lot like a B we got profile cranks and bars and parts are all profile. So it's what? Cool. Dude, yeah. that sounds dope. When, when you're ready to release it, come back and, and, and tell us about it. I will. And it's, it's, and listen, man, it's just, it's, it's fun. And, and that's, that's really what like the, this bike is designed for not to replace like, you know, what we're doing on, on, on 20 inch bikes, not to replace that or say, don't you could do this on this bike instead of that one. It has nothing to do with that. This is just a fun bike to have fun with, to mob around town. You know what I mean? Me and my son, we go, the thing goes up to 80 miles in one charge, bro. It's pretty Dude, sick. I'm not surprised you're at the forefront of, of BMX innovation. That does not surprise me even a little bit. Like, it's, you it's know, it's all fun. Yeah. It, it's here's the thing, dude. And, and if you bring joy to, to, you know, half the population, that's all that really matters, man. If you can, if you can still pedal your 20 and have a blast, ride your 20. If you want to yeah. pedal assist bike, dude, there's an option for you. And I love that. That's, that's all like you guys, anytime you think about criticizing a new, a new invention or something that's new in your sport or whatever, just remember at some point you were 10 and you were thinking that right now in 2020, uh, you know, 2021, we would be driving jets and cars and hoverboards and so, you know, and how stoked you were about that. So do you just get yeah. excited about like new stuff? All right. Well, Rick. Also, also too, bro, real quick. Life yeah. is like feeling, you know, you do things for the feeling. I still ride bikes. I still go on that 10 mile ride because the way it makes me feel, the way yep. I clear my mind, like everything's about a feeling. Not everybody's going to be like riding it. Everybody's going to ride at different levels. It doesn't mean like that you still can't go out and have a feeling of something. If you feel a particular way, whether it's an electric bike or your, or your, or your, uh, you know, 20, what is it? What is it? 29 inch or 26 inch you have yeah, or yeah. 20 inch or whatever. It's like, and then it's, it's all, it's all a feeling. And you search for that feeling that makes you happy because ultimately it's about making yourself happy. And, and, you know, if you're out riding, I'm cool. You know, it's all good. You know what I mean? You're out doing something and that's all, that's a good thing. You know I, I mean? That's I kinda, agree. You know, 100%. and if you, not, not everybody's going to be a freestyler, you know, but some people just want to ride down the street. What am, like, how am I going to like say like, no, you got a freestyle. I'm going to be, I guess I, I probably was that way. Was, I was probably that way when I was 15. It's like, what's yeah. up, man? You're, you're a rider. Let's see it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I do. Cause that's, that's the truth though, because you really think about it, man. And I can tell you like, you know, man, I, I, I got tricks. I got, you know, tail whips on the big bikes and, and, you know, yeah. wheelies and all that stuff. But dude, here's the thing. I promise you there is a, there is a more soul rider somewhere right now riding his bike that that is that gets more stoked on just riding in a straight line and I'm chasing that feeling. I'm chasing that mm-hmm. and that that you know what you'd said about it's a feeling um mm-hmm. was actually that 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 segues into the the last question that I want to ask you because I this is one of those ones that I I just I'm dying to know like what this answer is to you. Okay. Um, what is your favorite trick and not, not because of difficulty, not because how long it took you to learn, but I, I, I have a theory that every writer has a trick that when they do it, it just feels the most pure and it, you just get so stoked where you're like, I don't care if anyone ever saw this trick. 
I just like to do it. What what would that be That's a tough you? question. I know, I know. I mean, because like I wrote, you know, a lot of people don't know, I, I competed Flatland for 10 years. And I am, I'm from the 80s when Flatland was bigger than the than ramps. And there was no park course or, or park courses or box jumps and stuff. Uh, it was like you show up at the contest and there's like 100 plus riders and, and 88 of them are Flatlanders. I mean, that's just how it was. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, there's nothing like hauling ass and doing a hang five down a hill, just bombing it. That gives me the same feeling like as if it's like a, a, a stretched can-can on vert or like a, a Cherokee or just tweaked pulling the bike or compare that to like if you're, you know, uh, uh, backflip in a box or a flip fakie, like it's hard for me to say like which trick, you know, the one that probably most people could relate to is there's nothing like there's, there's nothing like doing a rad tabletop, dude, you know, or invert. Yeah. Um, that feeling or an X up. It's hard. I, I don't know. I don't, I can't say if it's, if it's one trick because there's just so many different styles of riding that, that I've done through the years that like, you know, I haven't done a whole, whole, whole bunch of hand rolls in my life, but I've done a handful. And when I do hand rolls or it's rad or like doing a set of stairs in a pool, the cake carving over the cake. When you do that, you're just like, what? So you're such I think it's just like the sense of like maybe accomplishment, but like, I guess the, how a trick feels, man, this is, you put me on the spot. Cher- when you, when you, <laughs> it's when hard, dude. Tweet, when I do a tweaked <laughs> ass Cherokee air, but then again, if I do like a, a, a rad smooth ass alley 540, you know what I mean? You're just kind of yeah, like, dude. Ah! Yeah. man. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you said, I'm glad you said flatland because for me, dude, it's the very end of a boomerang. So imagine like a boomerang and it's that last minute where you float and you flail and just that yep. last whip when you, your when your leg clears the seat and you <clears throat> land on the pedals and you, and you just like salute the judges because that was the most perfect thing. And it literally like it's your kids or like yep. the cat, the cat's outside, the cat saw it. You know what I mean? That's it. You dude. get it. You get yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, those, those, when all those rolling tricks came in, dude, I remember the plywood hoods came out with the scuffing and the rolling and the whiplashes that just changed the whole game, man. Learn how to scuff, doing funky chickens and, and backyards and locomotives and all this. And then dump trucks came along. Man, that trick was the best. <laughs> like pulling a smooth dump truck in and out, man. Or like a hitchhiker, forget about it. You hitchhiker, you're like, what? Like, it's just, I think it's just more like not really necessarily like, maybe like what the trick is, but what the trick, what it makes you feel like. You know, because I get the same feeling from all those tricks that I just told you. You know what I mean? Like, like if I do a, a tweaked ass rat can can, I'm like, yeah. Or or a high speed hang five down Sunset Boulevard, steam. It feels rad, you know. So I think it's just more about the. It goes back to the feeling of not so much the motion; it's more the feeling. The pure, you know? the pure. Yeah, I 100 agree. Like yesterday, I relearned switch handers at Tony's, and I had done switch handers for a minute. And I was actually nervous because I I can't necessarily say I've forgotten, but you have to, you're going back and you're like, you haven't done these tricks in a while and you got to get your confidence back and say like, dude, you got to face this fear that you have of this right now. And I'm glad that I did because then I walked away like stoked because I'm like, yeah. all right, I knew I could do that. I had to prove it to myself again. I could still do that, you know? So that's oh, yeah, it, man. 
Yeah. I got to say, uh, you know, Rick, so stoked to have you on the show tonight, man. I'm going to wrap up with my last comment here. Really not a question. I want to give you the chance uh, to go ahead and let us know what's going on with Rick Thorne. What's the projects going on? What do we, what can we expect coming up? You know, you got so, like Isaac said, you got so many stokes in the fire. What, what do you got going on? You want to talk about and let everybody know what's up with Rick Thorne. Well, coming up, well, I'm still doing the cooking with the thorns with my son because we got to eat and I cook. Sometimes three times a day. Uh, my band's doing awesome. My new song, Invincible, is on Sirius XM on the Faction Punks channel. Uh, I just signed with the booking agent, so I'm aligning myself when we get past this COVID fiasco that I'm able to actually start touring again. Uh, they're starting to do more comedy acts in LA area, so I'm going to start doing more stand-up comedy again. I've been doing that for about a year and a half, and uh, I really had the momentum going like, and then, you know, obviously COVID puts, puts a lot on a lot of people. Um, as far as riding and sponsors, I got the uh, signature e-bike coming out with House of Lithium. I got a signature uh, hot sauce with Don Wapo's hot sauce, signature sock with Mer uh, Merge for Socks. A lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of stuff goes into that, like with creating an artwork and like just getting the product right before you put it out there. Um, and uh, we're filming that new, that new movie, possibly series called Run Boys. Um, it's pretty rad because it has uh, this company here, NeuroXPF, the owner, his name's Kyle Turley. And he's an ex, uh, well, he's an NFL legend. He played for the Saints. And uh, he's in it. And a lot of other heavy hitters are in that. So it's going to be sick. And hopefully that, that goes, goes well. There's another movie we, we, we're going to be doing uh, as well. But I, I, hopefully it happens. I can't really say a whole lot about it, but there's a couple of those. Keep but your like, eyes open. Yeah, but ba I mean, like, I don't know. I feel like I'm just rambling, man. I don't know. Like, there's just a bunch of shit. You just keep going. You just keep writing new songs, writing new tricks, writing, and then you just kind of, you just kind of roll with it, man. So I appreciate you guys listening to me ramble for an hour or whatever, and have me on your show. Um, I, I really do appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, man. Too okay, you guys. I mean, what I've taken. Stay, stay rad, rad for sure. Yeah. You know, talk, talking with you, Rick, I mean, what I've learned is, is basically like, you know, go after the lessons that I've learned talking to you is stay positive. Always look at the bright side, put yourself in positions where success will find you. And that's going to happen after hard work, dedication, and putting in time to master your craft. You guys like acting didn't just fall in his lap. You heard him say, I took three years to study something. That's that's almost high school, you guys. So think about that. Like when you see when you see Rick in a movie, think about like it, it, what he did to get there. When you see him riding his bike and you see him doing these like really like let's say a smooth alley oop five forty. Think of the 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 you know thirty odd years, forty odd years probably that he's been putting in work almost daily on that bike to get there. You know, so there's so many lessons you can learn just from from this man's life, and and always look at the bright side. And and things will happen for you, Rick. Thank you so much, man, for thank for you. all you do. Yeah, no, thanks a lot, dude. And one more thing, I'll shut up. It's the power of your own speech, and the power of your own thinking. Because what you say or think, your subconscious mind acts on and doesn't know the difference between rich or poor, hot or cold. I studied this. I studied how your subconscious mind works, and it goes back to when they used to say, "Don't go to sleep with the TV on," because you're listening. It's listening. It never sleeps. It listens to what you say and takes everything so literal. So 
it's just as easy to say you can do something as easy telling yourself you can't. It's all something you have to find in yourself and that balance. And I challenge myself every day with it. And then once again, stay rad to everybody out there. Stay rad to you guys. I really appreciate you having me on your show. Much love to all of you. Thank you very much. Thanks. Amazing. Craig, what did you learn? And then send us out, brother. Bro, one of the, the lyrics from a good guys in black song goes, how we spend our day is how we spend our lives. I'm not invincible. Just trying to survive, man. Yep. I have to, I have to say that that, that is kind of sums up, you know, Rick's Rick's persona, the way he carries himself, the way he presents himself. And it's, and it's worked for him for so many years and it's affected so many people who listen to things like that, like me. Um, and I just want to say thanks, Rick, for showing up tonight, man. Such a huge honor. Thank Stoked you. to have you here, brother. Uh, we want to say thank you for to everybody who showed up tonight to listen to Rick and 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 uh, hear him talk tonight because we had such a good time here at Big Bike BMX. Thanks, everyone, for showing up. If you guys are watching this on YouTube, now's the time to uh, drop us a comment. Let us know what you think. Hit that subscribe button. If you're, if you're streaming with us uh, on your favorite platform of streaming, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're, wherever you're at, go ahead and, uh, and give us a like there as well, man. We want to thank our sponsors as well. Um, we've got Ride Out Supply, Etney's Shoes, Phoenix Bike Company, Night Bike Company, Crush BMX Gloves, JT Racing USA, and Old Bones Therapy, one of our newest sponsors. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Shout out, Brandon. Yeah. Heck yeah. Oh, yeah. So thank you, Rick, man. Really appreciate your time, bro. Thank you, brother. Stay rad. Stay rad, man. Always, man. All right, you guys. I, thanks for being with us tonight. We love you. Everybody in the live chat on YouTube, I love the shit out of you guys. Thanks for coming and making Mondays awesome for us. Uh, we appreciate it, and we'll see you next week. Bye, bye, bye. Bye, bye, bye.